You're listening to Creative Voices, sponsored by Treebark Store. Hello and welcome to today's episode of Creative Voices. Today I'm joined by Kenny Gahan. Kenny, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with me. Pleasure to be here, Jeff. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So you've listened to it, you're listening to it on the way out here, you know how it goes. Who are you, Kenny? What do you do? So um, my name is Kenny Gahan. I'm from Galway originally and... I suppose the main thing I do is the Little Cinema in Galway, where we screen short films each month, made by filmmakers of all levels, from like beginners to professionals to students to everything in between. And we kind of screen short films, comedy sketches, music videos, documentaries, anything to which people make really. Um, once they're under 10 minutes in length, and they can give it an introduction on stage. We screen it, so I suppose that's that's the main thing that I do. Yeah. And uh, maybe tell us how that all started. What was the, the background to all that? Yeah, cool. Well, um, I set up the La Cinema with two people, uh, Julia Menard and Liam Doherty. Uh, I went to do a one-year course in Galway Community College, uh, one-year course in film and TV production. It was just basically to see if I, I was wanted to make films, but I never really had the balls to, or never really give us a chance to. Yeah. Um, and then I went travelling in 2007 for a year and while I was travelling I uh, I spent two months in hospital in Australia because I got uh, pancreatitis over there so I, I was I was it was painful it was difficult yeah that sounds and, like no crack at all yeah <laughs> zero crack <laughs> um, and like the, the doctors were worried that they told my parents to fly over because they were worried I wasn't going to pull through that kind of stuff um, and so while I was in hospital I was saying right when I get back to go I need to just change everything I need to go back and do what I want to do. I was always like writing short little comedy pieces, that kind of thing, comedy sketches, stuff to maybe laugh, but never did anything with them. And so I said, when I go back to Galway, I'm going to do some sort of a course. I just give myself a chance to try something. Yeah. And so when I came back, I did the one year course in Galway Community College, and there I met Julia Leem, who I like clicked with big time, and we started making some of the stuff which I wrote, and then we'd write more stuff, or I'd write more stuff, and we'd make that as well. And we were, we put it up on YouTube, but like you know, YouTube is saturated. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. And it's the pits as well. Like the comments you get. If, yeah. if, if you if you're lucky, if, if you get comments, you know, <laughs> like you never want the comments that you get usually. So we said, you know, we'd be great if we could screen a summer in Galway, you know, to a live audience. The stuff we were making wasn't good enough for the festival, for any festival. It wasn't really. Uh, it obviously, it wasn't TV quality. It was just kind of us having to crack. Yeah. And so we said, uh, well. We did a search, couldn't find anything. So we said, well, look, if there's nothing for us, let's just set something up. So we set up the little cinema with the idea of it being something for us and people like us, where there's no like um, curation. We're not going to be saying, that's not good enough, we won't screen it. If you make something, we'll screen it. And yeah. so that's kind of where the genesis of the little cinema came from. It was just kind of out of out of necessity. We kind of needed this, we needed a platform for ourselves and we thought, well, I'm sure there's other people in the same position as us, so let's yeah. just do it, see, see how it works. Just make it happen. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, the when was the first... Uh... The first screening was in May 2010. Wow. So it was at the end of the college year, and there was about maybe 35, 40 people in the screening, which is, it was in Kelly's Bar as well. It used to be Kelly's Bar. Now it's seven, but it used to be Kelly's Bar. Yeah. Um, I'm at the age now where I can remember... <laughs> what remember. the used to be called. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Back to the Lichine days. Uh, Lichine, living room, Kelly's, and now seven. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was in Kelly's bar, and uh, it was it was cool. It was it was cool to meet other filmmakers who were making stuff, who kind of were in the same boat as us, who were just like doing stuff for, for the crack. Um, and then throughout the year, then we screened more stuff each month, and these filmmakers were coming out of the woodwork like they were making brilliant stuff. <laughs> and we were thinking, Jesus, where are you hiding out? You know. <laughs> How the whole we've not seen, seen any of this stuff, and we've seen it over the years. Like, there's so many people who are making incredible stuff, and they're really talented, uh, but nobody really sees them. And so, I suppose the cinema is a platform for them to show their stuff, but also to talk to the filmmakers and network with filmmakers, and to yeah. give themselves a chance to build their their crew. You know, the hardest part of when we get film is have people to help you. Yeah, okay. and if you go to the cinema, you can go there show your film or watch people's films and then say, go up and talk to the filmmaker and say, I love your stuff. I think I could work well with you. And there's a lot of people in Galway these days who are uh, collaborating with their friends who they met at the Little Cinema, which is great to see. And uh, people come back each month making new stuff and it's great. It's an ecosystem which kind of grew itself. We, we didn't really do much to 
to, to, to foster grow that. it. it was yeah, just, we just we just exist. We just gave gave people the opportunity, and they uh, ran with it, which is brilliant. So it sounds kind of like that community was almost waiting to happen, and they just needed a, a hub or a center point to focus around. Yeah, totally. There, there is a filmmaker called Stephen Cadwell, um, and we did a documentary for the uh, Gold Film Center as they used to do uh, this initiative. What was the name of it? Where like, they did documentaries about um, community uh, schemes or community uh, organizations. And so in that, we interviewed Stephen Cadwell and he called the Little Cinema an open mic for filmmakers, which we hadn't thought about before, but which is a great name for it because like it is, it is basically an open mic. And if, if you're a comedian, you go to a comedy open mic. If you're a musician, you go to a music open mic. But if you're a filmmaker, Where do you there's go? no open mic. Yeah. You know, you've got no opportunity. And so the Little Cinema has kind of become a place for people to, to test stuff out and to try stuff. Um, and if, if you're making films for like a festival, if you're aiming for a festival, the likelihood is that you may um, not take risks which you may want to take because you might be thinking, well, what'll the... That won't fall within the remission. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What, what if they think that's a bit risky? What if they don't like that language? What if they don't like that scene? What if they don't like this? And so with the little cinema, it's a, it's a kind of a safe place to to take risks and to screen it in front of a live audience and to see how audiences react to it. It's a great place to uh, to learn editing. And if you go through a year of editing and like in college and like learn stuff and be taught stuff, and you you will learn a lot of stuff. But until you're in front of a live audience watching your film on screen with all your editing choices made yeah. and every single decision that goes through your head of when you're editing you're going no I'll leave that in I'll leave that in every every when that comes on screen you're going why the hell did I leave that in I should have oh. <laughs> so I always say to people uh, when you're editing if you're watching anything if you get any kind of a feeling of uh, oh I don't know about that scene or I don't know about that shot just take it out and watch it back and if you don't miss it then leave it out because yeah. if you get the feeling then when you're by yourself in a room with just you and your computer uh, it's going to be amplified by a thousand when there's whatever a hundred people watching it with you you yeah. know or when it's, on, when it's on YouTube or once it's in festival circuits you can't take it back no taking back yeah. yeah and have you found then that you know being in that environment yourself probably I imagine revitalised you a bit too and got you working a bit more did it? yeah it was the cinema has been great to uh to meet new people and uh, so like probably the majority of my network of friends now are people from Little Cinema uh, and each month you screen stuff and there's, there's at least two or three things each month which kind of makes you want to go jeez I want to do something like that I want that inspires me to do this or I want to work with that person and so having the, the network of Little Cinema people there has been great to kind of to give you a reason to keep doing stuff or to give you a, a, a purpose to try out new stuff you think, oh, well, that kind of stuff is impossible. I mean, you see yeah. a contemporary or a peer or someone who's 10 years younger than you making something. That's the, the worst one. The yeah, one. <laughs> worst. Damn you and your skills and your bloody uh, talent. Yeah. Um, and so when, when you see someone making something like that who is using the same equipment as you, it makes you, okay, I need to up my game here. You know, I, I need to either uh, learn more or I need to work with them and see what they're doing and learn from them. But it, it's it's a great way to kind of keep learning, you know, and a great way to keep on kind of motivating yourself to try and um, uh, reach new targets or set yourself new targets, you know. And there, there's a filmmaker, Ray Grady, who um, has been going to the cinema for the last nine, ten years, since it started, basically. And this year, he's he's trying to make a film every month for the 12 months or 11 months. That was pretty um, ambitious for Yeah, yeah. One. And he made a mistake of uh, announcing it on stage <laughs> in January. It's no going so, back now. Yeah. <laughs> And so he's got two months down, which is great. And uh, each time I introduce on stage, I say, Ray's making a film every month this year. So I keep reminding everyone that that's his... Uh, Just in case they forgot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's cool. Like the People set themselves their own targets like that, or they might look at the Little Cinema calendar and go, okay, well, I'll aim, I'll aim to make this film for Little Cinema July or Little Cinema yeah. April or whatever. So it's good, it's good for filmmakers to... Um, set themselves deadlines targets and to try and reach them I suppose it makes it real because as you'd mentioned there at the start there's probably always a danger that there's always a tomorrow tomorrow kind of vibe totally yeah whereas if you actually have to look at a date and make it happen yeah and make the mistake of telling people you're going to do it yeah yeah <laughs> yeah. then you have no choice yeah totally um, yeah, sometimes you're, you're better off to just say I'm, I'm going to do this and then just do it yeah because um, as a filmmaker 
the worst thing that you can do is uh, keep planning. And I, sometimes I'm the worst in the world for it. Like I'll, I'll write a script or I'll write something and I'll just keep on going, okay, I'll, I'll tweak it a bit more, I'll tweak it a bit more. Uh, but sometimes you better have to just, just make it. Yeah. And then even if you want to remake it, you can. Mm. Just because you make it once doesn't mean you can't make it again. Yeah. Um, but just, just do something with it. Because the longer you leave it just sitting there, the more chance it is that you'll talk yourself out of it. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm always getting these ideas of, I'd love to do this, I'd love to do this. And then within half an hour, your brain's starting to go, I don't know, Kenny, do you think though? Do you think, <laughs> could, could you do that? Yeah. And then you're starting to go, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah, no, maybe I couldn't. <laughs> and then you just, before you know it, you're, you're, you're bringing yourself right back down to like the the minimum enthusiasm levels, and you're like, you're going, no, I'm not, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. Yeah. So you need, you need to just like when you have an idea, just almost like jump at it and almost ring someone and go, right, I want to do something. Are you are you up? You know. Yeah, yeah. You free tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose you touched on a point there there a minute ago, which is interesting is like ten years is a long time for something to be running, but ten years is a huge shift in the industry as well. Mm. So the availability of technology to people is vastly different now than what it was in 2009, 2010, both from an actual standard of technology and an affordability point of view. Mm. I'd say you must have seen a big change there in, in the kind of submissions then, have you? Yeah, totally. Like um, the submissions we get at the start, there were some like amazing films um, and they, they look beautiful and they've done really well. Uh, but I guess they were limited by the constraints of the equipment which they had at the time, which would have been like, say, the DSLRs, like the 60D or the, I don't know, um, whatever cameras were about at the time. But these days with like the, all the Sony cameras and the Panasonic cameras, they're really, really pushing the boat out. And so Canon are kind of being left behind. Um, but all this stuff is, is pretty much, uh, within reason, reasonable enough as well. Yeah. It's not too expensive, so people can uh, buy buy a camera which can um, shoot record, yeah, yeah great like say four K footage for under under a thousand, and like have a lens with it for under a thousand. Um, and so yeah, like the changes that have happened. Like I remember in the two thousands, I had a camera myself. It was like a uh, Sony kind of uh, the really old like tape cameras, like the oh yeah, the high I don't know what it was called, handicap type thing. Yeah, yeah. And I was thinking, wow, this is amazing, but like. Um, I didn't have any way to edit it. You know, all I could do was like record stuff and then just copy it to a to a to a um, to a videotape or something. Yeah. Um, so these days, like the jump in technology in 50, 20 years has been ridiculous. Yeah. It's made like you can and people are literally making um, feature length films on like um, cameras you can buy off the shelf. You know, yeah. and like they're good. You know, they're not yeah. like bad films. They're good films. Yeah. So yeah, there there's all the stuff which would have stopped a filmmaker years ago are no longer constraints. And so um, it's down now to the, the drive of the filmmaker and the, yeah. the drive or the, the... The vision or whatever. The vision, exactly, yeah. 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 And I suppose coupled with that then, what I was thinking as well is, given the limitations being removed, have you seen a big shift in the type and of submission as in like the tone or the, the style of film? Or is um, that more kind of, depending on what's current, should I say? Yeah, I'm not really sure. Um, I wouldn't say there's ever been any kind of type of film that we get. Yeah. Um, filmmakers, you can you can you can almost spot the individual filmmakers. You know, there's there's always like a almost like a pack of filmmakers who will yeah. be making stuff which is very good. You know, yeah. but it might be like around this kind of central kind of um, not a safe area, but a central area. Um, and then there's some filmmakers who are like off in this distance somewhere field, yeah. and you're going okay well, what are you making over there yeah, yeah. and then you get it you go holy crap how did yeah, you get yeah. that you know and so there's always been like those kind of outliers who make stuff which is like um, uh, off the wall but brilliant Yeah. and there's the, some of the stuff that we, we get whether they're comedy sketches or like uh, documentaries or um, just short films in general really really good mm. like the standard of writing and the standard of editing and standard of like production has gone through the roof yeah I think people are uh, realizing the importance of having not just good camera, but also good sound as well, yeah. and good sound design, and also uh, say production values. Yeah. Like say, if, if you if you want to make a film that's set on the moon, uh, you know it's, it's it's difficult to do. <laughs> but if you want to go, it, you need to have a green screen. You need to have yeah. um, good sound design. You need to have it looking quite good. Um, 
So when I make stuff, I always try to have it like as basic as possible. As yeah. In like I'll write something which is based on reality, so it's easy to do. And some other people are able to to write something which is um, based in like the same world, but like with like huge special effects. And yeah. for me, I'm, I'm I can't do that. I'm not yeah. able to do that. But there's like people like say Matt Kavanagh and Matt uh, Blaney who did a film which featured like a, a car which has crashed. Uh, with like a dead body inside it and like um, uh, the special effects which, which they used was yeah. ridiculous it was incredible yeah and I was looking at it going I don't, I, I don't know no how idea how they did it yeah I have so much respect for that like but I don't know how, we, how people can do that but yeah. there is people with various um, uh, skill sets and abilities that, that they can they can you know pull off the being on the moon yeah. but you know unless, unless you have the skills you know yeah. make it easy on yourself and I guess something you touched on there as well. Um, we spoke about this before we started recording. Audio seems to be always be one of the biggest challenges mm. for small, smaller filmmakers. And what's funny there is like cameras are much more accessible and they're more affordable. And the audio gear is definitely more affordable, but I wouldn't say it's any more accessible. I think that might be the one that people struggle with a bit, would you think? Yeah, and even if people get good audio gear, it's still down to the quality of the recorder, as in like the the sound recorder, the person who's doing the the boom yeah. pole. Because um, I, I did a a, a sketch before uh, this is like eight years ago um, called uh, Man Flew the Truth, which is about the only thing that I've done which has gone kind of viral or yeah. almost viral, yeah. like almost a million views. We recorded it very very simply on like um, one camera using three angles, um, and the. The person who's doing the sound uh, wasn't aware that them constantly moving their hands, every little move you make on, on the boom pole was creating a sound yeah, yeah. in the recording. And so we ended up having to use the audio straight from the camera, which wasn't great because the audio from the from the, the boom just wasn't usable. It was just constant kind of shuffling of hands. Or, yeah. you know. And so, yeah, I think uh, sound is a very underrated uh, side of uh, making a film. And when the film starts playing, the first thing that people notice is the the sound, whether it's like a or that type of thing. Or yeah, yeah. when you see one scene from next, like it's <laughs> and like we see the, like two two shots put together to make one scene, and one one of the one of the shots has like a bit of hiss, the other one doesn't. It's very jarring. It does my head in, yeah. yeah, and it just it does my head in because. It's it's taken away from your own film, you know. Yeah. Um, it's a simple fix, you know. Yeah. Um, but the sound is so important, and it's it's a, it's a way to kind of from the first 10, 15 seconds set down your stall that this is a, a professional professional grade film, you know. Yeah. As in sound wise, um, I, th- I think people can forgive video quality, and yeah. like if if your camera is shaky or stuff. People can go. Oh well, maybe that was the decision. Part of the yeah. yeah. Maybe they wanted it to be a shaky camera. Maybe maybe that's part of the aesthetic of the film. Yeah. But if there's like a bad sound design with like bad like hissing or bad just uh, sound noises, yeah. people can't forgive that because yeah. people think, well, that's that's not a, a decision they made in yeah. the edit, you know. And even I think subconsciously they'll start to judge stuff, even if they're not super aware of it or, or thinking about it. Mm. Somewhere in their head, it's probably scratching at some little bit of them. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I I don't know what it is. There's something sub- subconscious about having a good sound where, like I said, you, you, you're kind of, you're uh, judgmental of it without <laughs> knowing you're judgmental of it, you know? And it's like there's something uh, innate in us which knows that that's not good, you know? Yeah. Uh, I suppose because when you watch BBC or RTE or whatever, the first thing you, you notice that this not the first thing but like you know the sound is always perfect yeah so when you hear when you see a film where the sound isn't perfect yeah. there's a bit of hiss yeah. you probably go okay this isn't like RTE yeah you know? do you think maybe there's some part of us that's so used to good sound quality from TV that that's what we expect subconsciously and like we're used to watching all sorts of different programs so there's lots of different stylistic choices visually mm. so if yeah, you yeah. change various style we accept that visually but we're always used to good sounds I think maybe we just go yeah. there has to be yeah, you're dead right. Totally, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think in everything, on t- well, for, for nearly everything on TV, the one thing that's constant is like almost perfect sound. Yeah. And like I said, whether it's like a 
uh, like a born ultimatum or whatever like it's all shaky camera yeah, yeah. You go, okay this is amazing the sound is always perfect and yeah. so you always just take for granted the sound is yeah. going to be good and so when you watch a film made by a uh, a new filmmaker if the sound isn't good you're almost judging oh yeah. okay well that's a shame you know yeah. it's funny because they're, they're just making such strong stylistic choices even for TV shows now that mm. like I watched the Ozark recently. I don't know oh, if you've really? seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very good, but my God, it's the bluest show on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like once I started noticing that, I could not see it. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, if I was making that, I'd be looking at going, why? Why is it? Why is my white balance off so bad? Yeah, right. I'd be trying to color correct it in, yeah, yeah. in the post. Yeah. But I suppose yeah, it's a stylistic choice. I don't really get it myself, but um, I, I've never been the most aesthetically driven person in terms of filmmaking, so. Um, I don't have as much of an eye for like composition of shots yeah. or like uh, uh, colour choices to make so would you feel that you're more based around kind of mood and story than yourself I'd be more kind of a writer director yeah like I'd be more interested in uh, writing stuff and then trying to get the performance out of the actor that I have in my head you know because when, when I write something I have a very 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 um, specific idea of how I want it to be uh, made and I, I only write comedy. I don't write mm. serious stuff. But I, 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 um, I love comedy, and I grew up with it. And like, my, I spent most of my my teen years cooped up in the house watching comedy films that I bought or recorded off TV. And so comedy was always like my my go to thing. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm, st- I'm strict with it. You know, as in when I write something, I want it to be the way I want it to be done. Yeah. Um, I suppose you're looking for the beats to hit, and you yeah, know. yeah, and like the, the right, uh, right energy from the person, from the actor as well, actor or actress, um, to to get across the joke. Because sometimes you can, you can give someone a script, and uh, you think that you're on the same wavelength, and then when they're acting out, you're thinking, oh, hold on, they're getting something else. Out yeah, of this that. isn't this isn't what I had in mind, and you're, you're trying to say, no, say it like this, and then they're trying to say it like that, but they're not, and you go, okay, no. <laughs> say it like this and then they, they try it again and you're going we're, we're not on the same wavelength at all here we're on a different page get a um, bit of a fathered head just play the note kind of vibe isn't yeah, it? <laughs> yeah yeah um, but uh, you know it, it, that's all part of kind of the, um, the learning curve as well where you realise maybe I'm not a good director maybe I'm not able to direct people enough maybe I, I, I need to learn more about how to get across the the point that I want to make to the or the, the the uh, performance I want the person to make, um, or maybe it's, it's to do with casting. You know, as you go through making films, you probably realize stuff that you're weak in. I've probably casting is something which I've, I've never done. I've just seen people. I think I think I think they'd be good. I just yeah. choose them and go with them. And generally, uh, it works well. Uh, it doesn't always like work out as you imagine it, but generally, it, it's good. Um, but I guess if you work on a, a smaller scale and a tighter budget too, you're a bit constrained by what's available mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. And I kind of feel bad about if I was having like a casting, I'd feel bad like saying, come in and do this and this, you know, you're you're get out. Yeah, sorry, yeah. <laughs> Especially if they're like a friend or something, you know, I'd yeah. be going, oh, I feel like such a, an idiot doing this to them, you know. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Uh, it, but I, I do, I'd be more of a writer, um, director. The other time I'll be in a sketch um, if, if, if I feel like I need to be in it. Yeah. Um, like the Scrooge one? Uh, yeah, the Scrooge one. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 that's one of my favourite sketches that I've done. Uh, the idea of it is, for anyone listening, is that uh, what, what would have happened if Ebenezer Scrooge was a very pragmatic person and if when the first ghost visited, he just changed his mind immediately. And so he didn't need to get the ghost of Christmas past, present and future. And the ghost who was telling him was trying to say, no, no, well, you still need to get visited by the ghosts. And Scrooge is going, no, I don't, I don't eat it. And uh, so what would happen if that was the case? Yeah. And so I, I, I still like that. I find it very funny. That's a very enjoyable sketch. I've watched it a few times. Mm, yeah. It's just the look on Scrooge's face. And he's like, okay, so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I showed it to someone recently and it got zero laughs. Really? I mean, it didn't even crack a smile. Wow. Yeah. So it just shows, you know, um, not, not everyone is for everyone, you know. Yeah. And w- what I think is funny is not going to be funny for everyone. Yeah. And you, you have to be able to uh, to accept that, you yeah. know. The man who plays Scrooge is he a friend of yours? Yeah, that's uh, Liam Doherty. Liam Doherty. He uh, set up the little cinema with us. Okay, because um, I've seen him in a, I think a couple of your. Yeah, well, I, I think Liam is the best uh, comedy actor in Galway mm. uh, that I've worked with. Anyways, um, he's just 
if I if I give him a, an idea or a script or like just a basic outline, he'll just nail it. Yeah. And I, I don't even I rarely have to say, could you try it this way? Or I might just throw in the odd line here or there, like to, maybe improv this line. But generally, he just gets comedy, and the two of us have the exact same kind of sense of humor, which is probably why um, we worked so well in back in college days, and we clicked so well. And he, he didn't have, didn't have any interest in like writing, um, but I was all about the writing and like trying to make as much as I could. Um, and so it was kind of a, a great partnership where I could go, what do you think about this? And if, if he found it funny, like if I, I give him a premise and he laughed, like, okay, we'll okay, run, run run right here, like, yeah. I'll write this now. But if I give him a premise and he didn't laugh, I go, okay, no, I will leave it off. Yeah. yeah. So he was like my parameter of what's funny, what's not funny. Yeah. Um, and then if, if we do it, I mean, generally it would work out funny, but sometimes we'd make something and in hindsight we go, okay, that's terrible. It's really <laughs> bad. But, you know, it's, it's good to try stuff, you know. But, you know, I have a friend of mine who does a bit of songwriting and he often says about how you have to write an awful lot of bad songs before you mm. get a good song, get them yeah. on your system. And I imagine it's probably the same with filmmaking. Like, I'm sure everyone loves to think they're going to go out and make something mm. amazing the first time. But you probably have to do a lot of it before you get to... Um, no, look, maybe there is someone who makes good stuff the first mm. time and I'm not judging anyone's early work and everyone mm. has a chance to show it, as you said, with mm. you guys. But I'd say the more you do the better it is for everyone. Yeah, totally. And like, probably the more you do, the more you show, the more you can gauge what people actually what like. does work, yeah. yeah. And um, like, I think, I was I was talking with someone about this recently, um, that you, I'm probably deluded, but <laughs> you need to have a certain amount of delusion in your life because if you don't have any delusion or you're not willing to delude yourself, you won't ever try anything. So if, if you don't say to yourself, do you know what? I'm going to write something that's going to make people laugh. If you if you don't if you're not willing to have that delusion, then you'll never do anything. Whereas it, if I go, I'm going to write something to make people laugh. If if I write something and it makes people laugh, then great, it works. And if I write something that didn't make people laugh, then that's grand. So be it. Yeah. yeah. But you're better off to be trying stuff rather than not trying stuff. You know. So I think everyone needs to have a, a certain amount of delusion. Mixed with <laughs> a healthy <laughs> dose of reality, yeah. Um, and then if you can kind of mix those two things, it's a good way to kind of keep yourself balanced and to give yourself a chance to be artistic and creative while also living in the real world as well, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, we use a, a hackneyed phrase I said to someone yesterday, you definitely lose all the bets you don't take, you know? Yes, yeah, yeah, true. Don't try something you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. Um, so outside of that particular project that you worked on with Liam Scrooge, and is mm. there any other short films that you worked on that you're particularly happy with or anything that was a really interesting experience um, I did a, a sketch with uh, Declan Munkvin which I really like uh, Declan Munkvin he's, he's from Clare originally but he's living in New York now but he sent me this uh, sketch about um, giving up the drink and it's called an Irish Intervention oh, and, seen uh, this one yeah. actually <laughs> It's and, a big uh, cast in this one yeah like there was about like nine or ten people in the room yeah. and so um, uh, yeah I still really like that. He sent me the scripts, and I thought, "Oh, there's a, there's a." I love this premise, like yeah. a, of a guy who wants to give up the drink, but his family are trying to convince him to stay drinking, basically, yeah. and to have an intervention to to keep him drinking. Yeah. And uh, so he sent me that idea, but I thought, if you're going to do this, you you want to have as many jokes in there as possible, and as many kind of elements to have as much comedy as possible. So I, I added in a few extra characters, and added in a few more jokes. And then uh, we made it, I don't know what it was, four years ago. But um, I'm very proud of that. I think that, that came out quite well. Declan uh, was the original writer and then he was the, the star of it as well. Yeah. And on the, on, the, on the morning of shooting, um, he said to me, uh, oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't learn the lines. I think I might try and improv a bit of this. <laughs> I, nearly, I nearly fainted. I was like, there's going to be 10 people in the room. With two cameras rolling, we can't improv this. Yeah. We need to have this like They're all expecting to do their lines. Yes. <laughs> and it was my first time doing something which was like that scale, like uh, directing like nine, ten people. Most 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 of those people had no lines. They were just there to, uh, to be extras. Yeah. And so I, I realized I'm taking up these people. Their time. Their, their yeah. full day, basically. Um, and so, yeah, when he said that to me, I, <laughs> I wanted to grab him against the wall and go, Declan, we are not improving this. You better learn your lines right now. Learn fast. <laughs> uh, but we, 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 it worked out well. We just took like line by line. And uh, I still think to this day it's one of the funniest things that we've done. Yeah. Um, 
I did something as well with, with Liam, uh, which, which was, um, do you remember when Joan Burton was uh, uh, like locked in the car? Um, where like there was was a uh, place up in Dublin was um, I don't want to say it the wrong wrong place was Jobstown yeah. where there was protesters um, that were around her car. Oh she, she yes, get out of the car. I think you're. Yeah, I think that's where it was. Yeah. yeah, and so she was saying that she was. I don't know what term she used, but like basically that she was like locked in the car. Yeah, and to me, I was thinking, oh come on, get over it. You know, yeah. this is ridiculous. Um, and so we we did a a parody of that where. Liam, like in a very kind of, we, we tried to have it as realistic as possible, where Liam uh, was locked in a car, but it was like a taxi. And so, so he gets into the taxi and the taxi puts off yeah. and uh, the, he hears the, the door, the door is, the door is locking. Yeah. In his head, he's just been taken, taken hostage. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's him, it's him like recounting this, the story of, you know, being in the taxi and the, the driver giving him looks and saying, put on your seatbelt. I lean like uh, fake and put on the seatbelt, just like put it down to put on, not clicking it, and just like give them the eyes. And and uh, I, I still look back at that and I think, Jesus, that is so funny. Like Liam's performance in that is like so good. Yeah, and he's, the, he strikes me as a very good comedy actor because he's so good. Like he's and he's able to be emotional. Like there's a few, yeah. there's a couple of times in that where he's able to like bring up tears <laughs> and uh, then go from that to like being completely like zany and like. Uh, but yeah. I think comedy works best when it's done very very seriously. Yeah, and so when I do stuff with Liam or whoever else, I always try and film it um, uh, in his, like in a completely straight way. Yeah. So you don't you don't play for laughs. You 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 play it seriously, and that's when you get the most laughs. You know, uh, but Liam is brilliant at that. He's able to um, to be uh, both like um, very very straight straight man, while also being very very funny and be emotional if he wants to be. He can yeah. just like switch like that. So yeah, I'm I'm jealous of his ability to just uh, turn it on and off. Yeah, and turn it on and off. It's amazing. You mentioned earlier on, obviously the screening little cinema for people locally, and then that YouTube isn't really a place anymore mm-hmm. for. So, is there anywhere in particular that you put your workout online for other people to see, or have you just kept it at a more local level now? Um, when I make sketches, I don't make them as much as I used to now. Um, I used to make them quite regularly, maybe one, one a month for the cinema. Uh, but it's just more difficult to make, make stuff now. But when I do make stuff, I put it up, up to my YouTube channel hmm. um, and probably onto Facebook page as well. Yeah. Uh, like the YouTube channel is uh, Man With Three Buttocks, which is a, it's, it's, it's probably maybe too much of a weird reference, but it's a reference to an old Mighty Python sketch yeah. where they're interviewing a guy who claims to have three buttocks, yeah. but he won't show them the S3 buttocks. He just says he has three buttocks, but he'll never actually show the fact that he has three buttocks. And so... That always stuck with me. I, I initially wanted to call it, because um, uh, I was just looking for an email initially, and I wanted to call it Arthur Two Sheds, yeah. because um, this guy was, again, on Monty Python, and he said Arthur Two Sheds, and he asked him, well, why are you called Arthur Two Sheds? Because yeah. I have two sheds. Yeah. And I just thought it was funny, and I went to try Arthur Two Sheds at u.whatever.com, but I was taken. Yeah. And so I went, who has got that, that, <laughs> that steep dive of a Monty Python reference? <laughs> And so when that didn't work, I went with Man With Three Buttocks. And so then uh, that just kind of went into Gmail and went into YouTube and I just just kind of stuck with it. It just happened, yeah. Yeah. So in in hindsight, maybe a better YouTube channel name could have been good for maybe making the channel more accessible. People might see Man With Three Buttocks and go, what the hell is that? You know, avoid that. Um, But, you know, that's what it is. YouTube is a bit of a funny place at the moment, though. Mm. Like, I think... It's got so much content now and it's gotten so broad that mm. you're going to be on there and if it's not within the realm of what you're looking for, it's going to be very hard to be found. Yeah, totally, yeah. And they're so willing to suggest stuff to you that everything in my YouTube is of a very particular uh, yeah. you know, bent at the moment. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just, it's funny because I want to find new stuff, but they can't stop showing me tutorials for yeah. stuff. You know? <laughs> yeah, it becomes an echo chamber of, yeah. of what you've watched before. Yeah. And... Yeah, I I started to follow some um, um, like say reviewers on YouTube, and I find now when I watch shows like say Picard, um, the first thing I'll do after the show is right, let's go to YouTube and see what see what other people thought see what, or what, see any what references they missed yeah. or something like that. And I've I've started to see that like I used to always think oh YouTube oh, no, I I don't think I ever watch that much YouTube, yeah. but now I find myself. Look on you because there is so much content there, and it's yeah. so easy to get lost in it and 
so hard to like get your voice heard from the noise you know yeah um but uh yeah if you can find a niche for yourself on youtube uh, it's it's good but you need to be getting so many views to get any money out of it you know and you also need to be very committed to spend a lot of time on it totally imagine. yeah you yeah. basically want to be able to like uh, almost as a full time yeah like every day at least one video yeah um, and like which shows like Picard um, I hate Picard uh, <laughs> no I love Star Trek but I hate the show I think this show is like completely different from what it should be yeah. um, and then when you go onto YouTube and you find uh, the people who are reviewing it uh, like they're getting like um, hundreds of thousands of views yeah. for each video which shows that uh, there's hundreds of thousands, hundreds of, thousands of people like me yeah. who either love it or hate it but yeah. who all want to hear what he thinks about it yeah, yeah. and so if, if you can find your niche it's brilliant but it's so hard to to, to, to stick with it you yeah. know and to, to persevere through all the noise and through all the um, hardship of like no money and yeah. saying to your friends and family no this is this, there's a reason for this just, yeah. there's a reason I'm sitting in my room today again <laughs> yeah. there's a channel I watched a bit and I haven't seen it in a while called Emergency Awesome oh yes a guy yeah, called yeah. Charlie I think and like, God bless him he has no personality yeah. or like front of camera skills at all but he's become massive and it's yeah. through what you spoke about there mm. he literally must sit at home mm. watch every show and just review the hell out of them yeah. Like, yeah, real yeah. hardcore deep reference stuff like mm, yeah it's amazing but he, that's become a huge thing for him like yeah yeah like if, if you can if you can do something in a polished way and probably sometimes one of the most important things is having a good thumbnail you know mm. so people look at your thumbnail like oh that looks professional I'll click into that yeah. and to some people because I was big into Game of Thrones and so I'd be watching all the review shows of it and um, you'd see like something which has a great thumbnail and you go oh, cool a professional review I'll watch that and you yeah. click into the thumbnail and yeah. you see it's a crap video <laughs> and you realise okay he's got a good thumbnail but he's yeah, got yeah. no content yeah, yeah. and then some people have great content and like a bad Don't thumbnail to, yeah. so I think that there's so many layers of um, getting it right yeah so there's so many variables you need to have just right like like what we're talking about from earlier on you need to have a good camera with a good shot of you you need to have good sound you need to have a good thumbnail you need to have a good bio probably good tags yeah. probably like a, a list it's a job of like, like. 10, yeah 10 15 things you need to have get done and yeah. so there's so much work involved in um this uh, getting it right you know yeah. to attract people in and to keep them coming back yeah and do you host the content from little cinema online anywhere or is that um we don't host it no we will share it on um on our website uh, the little yeah. we post like the links a few days few days after little cinema onto uh, the website there so uh, not all the films which you screen are available online because mm. uh, some people put them into like uh, festivals and stuff yeah, and some people be. just want to use it as a testing ground and not put it online anyway which is fair enough yeah. uh, but the, the, the films which are available um, we post online and so if people want to check out previous films they can Yeah, I think I'm trying to work on putting together a back catalogue of, of all the little cinema films Yeah, uh, because over 10 years we've probably screened from like hundreds of filmmakers and like yeah. probably over a thousand films um, and like when I say films I do like music videos comedy sketches you know documentaries yeah whatever they may be yeah, yeah. and so it'd, it'd be great to have like a, a a list of all the back catalogue of that yeah and so uh, John Burke who was um, from Sligo but was in Galway for good few years and was uh, heavily involved with the little cinema was helping me put that together um, and so hopefully at some stage we'll be able to get that done and it would be cool to have some sort of a clickable database where we mm-hmm. can go in and look look at all the films or even like have links to all the films so we might not yeah. host the films ourselves but uh, people could look through the back catalogue because yeah. you know, there's so much stuff which is really really good it's supposed to be interesting to have the equivalent of a Vimeo or a YouTube but it's primarily and only for mm. short independent made films something yeah, like that yeah, you know yeah. it's basically what you're talking about there I guess you know yeah, yeah. that would be cool um, but like again like just so much work involved in that as well as oh, yeah, administration massive yeah like there's a lot of stuff that I like to do for Little Cinema but at the moment it's just it's more of a, a hobby than anything else and we do get funding from the Governor City Council which we wouldn't be able to keep Little Cinema going if it wasn't for that funding but it's it's it's, it's not enough to allow yourself to dedicate push it further and, yeah. yeah so with Little Cinema I have to be like say private work as in corporate work or like doing weddings or that type of mm-hmm. stuff and then that kind of gives me a certain amount of freedom to be, keep doing the little cinema yeah. uh, but it's it's always a fine balance of 
trying to keep four or five plates spinning and yeah. try to try not to add that sixth plate no matter how yes. tempted you might be yeah exactly that plate looks good I could, I could spin that as well yeah. no Kenny you can't <laughs> you cannot spin that plate leave it alone <laughs> you'll break that plate <laughs> yeah so I guess then you know from the years of experience yourself from having done something to all the way up to where you are now any particular advice for someone who might be looking to get into that space outside of the whole, as we mentioned around, to just go out and do it? But any specific mm-hmm. advice or any resources or anything you'd mention? Um, probably, I was listening to Lakshika's um, podcast uh, episode, podcast, yeah, which was really good. And he said something which um, I agree with and which I was thinking of recently is that um, find out, do, do stuff which you enjoy. So think about what makes you happy. So if you want to be a filmmaker, think about what makes you what makes you happy, and then start making content about that. And so if you're making content content for yourself, which makes you happy, um, other people will enjoy that. Enjoy yeah. it as well. If you if you're making if you're making stuff for an audience which you don't know exists, which doesn't make you happy, then pretty much. Uh, without much time passing you're going to be disillusioned with it you'll be getting sick of it you'll be going oh what am I doing there this, this is a waste of time whereas if you're doing something which you really enjoy uh, about a topic you really enjoy then you have more chance of sticking with it and more chance of attracting an audience because I think um, the laws of attraction apply where if you do something which you love you will attract other people into your network yeah. and um, so the advice I give to people if they're thinking of doing whatever it is songwriting or and movie making or um, whatever it might be comedy do what makes you happy you know mm. and if you do what makes you happy then it'll attract other people into your into your environment yeah the product itself would probably be better as well because you'd probably put that little bit more effort in mm. than you would because you want it to be good like totally yeah and like you'll you'll probably have the extra knowledge about it and maybe you might have insights which you think oh this is just what I think but they might be insights which people other people aren't having or that they might be having or thinking, oh, but probably no one else agrees with me. And then you're doing something which is validating them. And then uh, all of a sudden you're having these people who are like supporters of you. And when you see on, on the like the YouTube channels where they do people, when people are hosting their um, review shows or whatever, they have like the, the Q&A with the, with the people who are sending in questions. And people are sending like 10 euros, 20 euros. And like people are paying to chat to this person. Yeah. Which is incredible, and all he, all he's doing is this person, nerd, nerd Rotting in particular. All he's doing is talking about shows that he either loves or hates, yeah. and uh, he's getting paid for it. You know, it's living the dream. You yeah, know, yeah. it's unbelievable. <laughs> That's fascinating to me. It's up there with the guys who just like are on YouTube playing video games. Oh man, can like, you imagine? <laughs> I don't understand. Like, yeah, you know, it's, I could never do those videos doing video games because I think I'd just be breaking controllers. So. Yeah. <laughs> If, like a pro evolution was the game I used to play and I used to, I, I eventually had to break the disc in half because it was wrecking my head so much and so I, I said to myself this is either going to kill me or kill the game yeah. so what will I do better so, choice yeah yeah I said let's kill the game yeah. <laughs> and I guess maybe a good starting point so for people would be pop down to the little cinema see what's being made and maybe mm. meet other people who are in a similar space or kind of mindset yeah definitely like whenever people say to me I'm interested in getting involved in acting or in filmmaking or something what will I do the first thing I always say to them is right go to the cinema watch what's been made see what style you like see what filmmakers you like talk to the filmmakers and uh, at the little cinemas I introduce them and I always say to the crowds there um, if you like someone's film go up and talk to them so it is it's, it, we try and build it as an environment where it's open and accessible and it's friendly and it's it's not meant to be like off-putting or um, kind of difficult to talk to people. We want it to be as open and uh, accessible as possible. And so, if you will go to the cinema, see what's getting made, and then just chat to filmmakers. And if you like someone's uh, cinematography, um, you could say, "Look, I write stuff, and I think I could write something great." And you could film it for me if you want, or if you see see an actor or actress who you think is great, talk to the actor or actress, or you know. So many ways to get involved in it, but that's the first thing I do is go to the cinema, see what's getting made, and see what you like, and then just um, get involved. You know, and I imagine it's probably a supportive enough environment as with all these things. Everyone's 
you know, there for the same thing. Yeah, totally. And like from my point of view, I try to be uh, more of a facilitator rather than a a producer. As in, if someone comes to me and says, I want to make a film, I won't go, okay, well, I'll make a film with you. So, because if I do that, I'll be making a film with like 40 people or 30 people, you know, and it, it's impossible. But I will say, well, go to the cinema and t- talk to the filmmaker or join the little cinema collaboration group on Facebook and post up there that you're an actor or actress or you're whatever you are and see what we want to get involved in stuff. So I try not to be too hands-on with actually making the films. Mm. Uh, but I, I will try and you know, network people or link people up or say, oh, you talk to this person, I think you might get on with that person. Be a good you know? fisher. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, well, like we, 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 it is a good place to, to go and meet people of a similar mind because if you look at it, everyone there is there to watch short films. So yeah. they're all already yeah, on their wavelength, you know. Yeah. 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 On, on, online-wise there, you mentioned a few places there. So there's the website... Yeah, uh, the little cinema.com. Yeah. That's for little cinema. And for uh, comedy sketches, um, I will say some of the stuff up there is very funny. Yeah. Some of the stuff is crap. <laughs> but, you know, there's a mixture and you'll probably see a learning curve. Um, yeah. We made a sketch before. Um, do you remember the, the Pharrell um, Happy song? Yes. Yeah. And they said uh, everyone go off and make their own happy version. Well, like, I, I like to kind of go against the grain sometimes and like just like uh, uh, give a two fingers uh, salute to something you know and so I said I want to make the worst version of happy in the world <laughs> and so uh, John Burke who was helping with, with Little Cinema uh, came to the house and we did like a very make you uh, green screen and we got him to kind of to dance awkwardly in front of the green screen and what I was saying to him was can you imagine if you're in like a a like a a nightclub like a dance club yeah. and you're being paid to dance for someone and you're the camera is the person who's paying you to dance and every now and then you kind of just make an awkward eye contact with the camera and then just look away again and so we, we did that and then we put the video um, we took him dancing and uh, removed the green screen and put him in like a dancing on floating clouds and like it was the full video for four and a half minutes and like, it was terrible but it was hilarious but it was terrible yeah. And we, we screened that at the little cinema. And uh, it was kind of, it was already kind of playing with, with comedy, playing with what might be funny. And we were thinking, this will be funny at the start, then it'll stop being funny. Yeah. And then it'll get funny again towards the end, yeah. when it keeps going. Yeah. And so we played it, and it starts getting laughs at the start, and then stops being funny. And people are realizing, oh, hold on, it's it's the full video. Yeah. And then <laughs> just like looks concerned. And there's like people like looking back at us going, what, what is this? Yeah. And then... Why did you do this? <laughs> yeah. And so when it was supposed to get funny again, it just never did. It just stays in that not funny zone. Yeah. And which actually made us laugh even more because we were thinking, <laughs> the fact that nobody finds us funny is actually funny for us that um, it was, we were at the back of the room bent over laughing <laughs> while everyone was looking at the screen going, what? Yeah. Why are we watching yeah. this? I've had my fun and that's all yeah. that matters. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and so that's opened the, the channel just to give, give context of um, some of the stuff isn't funny by accident some of the stuff isn't funny on purpose you know? yeah. <laughs> uh, but the, the YouTube channel is Man With Three Buttocks yeah. and um, most of the sketches are up there and like I said there's, there's a mixed bag of funny stuff and not funny stuff and yeah. you know, everything in between yeah. so is there anything else you want to touch on or anything else you want to mention before we finish up do you think well with the listener we do the uh, the 48 hour challenge as well we yes, have done actually, for, we have yeah. done for the last oh yeah there's two days actually we've we've um, done the 48 hour challenge for the last three years uh, in conjunction with the um, uh, Gola City Film and Gola Film Centre and so that's where between 8 to 10 teams come to Galway and they make a film in 48 hours we give them a a line to use a prop to use and a genre to to make and all the props are brought along by the teams mm. and then they're divided up and just given out randomly so it, it's kind of a bit of ownership for the for the, the teams in terms of what, what props they use and the, the lines which gets thrown into the film are submitted by the filmmakers as well yeah. and so it's, it's it's not us coming up with the with the things it's it's their own fault to get a different <laughs> line to use um, but uh, we've done that for three years and each year there's been amazing content and the, the three films which won each year has been brilliant yeah. like really good like the, 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 the standard has been so so high um, 
And then the other thing is that um, we work with the Galway Theatre Festival um, where we try to uh, recreate kind of the restrictions of theatre in film. Uh, but that I mean that in theatre when you go on stage and you start to play you can't suddenly go actually do you know what let me start this again you know? yeah, yeah. so with the one take films the idea is you make a film in one take and so whatever you get start, is what you get just keep going and if you make a mistake just, just own it and keep going yeah. and so this is I think our sixth year doing it it's going to be in um, in April uh, end of April we screen it by the way we screen it the last Wednesday of every month in Roche and Dove um, and it's five years entry usually um, but uh, the the theater festival um, it's going to be uh, it's going to be quite cool. We don't know what people are going to make, but films will be made in one take. And um, so, if anyone out there is a filmmaker who's interested, um, feel free to can touch. You can e- email me at uh, littlecinemagalway at gmail.com Yeah, I'll put some links in the show notes. And even if one. people want to just uh, get in touch and ask any question or that type of thing, feel free to get in touch. Um, and Sometimes people get a bit put off by submitting to the cinema thinking, oh, I don't know if this is good enough. But if, if people out there do have something that they've made, send it into us. Yeah. And um, the chances are we will screen it. You know, once it's yeah. under 10 minutes of length and once you can introduce it, we'd be happy to screen it. Yeah. And it's a, it's a good opportunity to get a bit of confidence in yourself and to go, do you know what? I made that and I have, I'm happy with the reaction that I, that I got, but mm-hmm. I can do better than that. Yeah, and yeah. It's, it's easy to get off the, the horse of filmmaking uh, but going to the cinema is a way to kind of get us back on the horse and to get back and make stuff and to meet people who can help you facilitate you know because yeah. um, a, a lot of the times the problem with actually making films is not having a crew with you and so going to the cinema is a, is a good place to meet people who can help you make stuff you know yeah. so that's about it I think cool well I'll get you to send me all those links and I'm sure you can pop them in the notes for anyone interested um, Kenny really enjoyed that thanks so much for joining thank me today thank you very much I loved it it was great thank you very yeah. much that's all for today's episodes folks we'll catch you next week thanks for listening to creative voices this podcast is sponsored by Treebark store and produced by p3b photography for more information find us on instagram treebark.store or at p3b underscore photos you can visit our website treebarkstore.com or p3bphotography.com thanks again and catch you on the next episode